coming especially for you the second half of this month from A Vision for You Sunday's special edition, February 17th, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, panel discussion, big book study of steps 8 and 9. February 24th, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, A Vision for You, Attitude of Gratitude Reunion. And a partial look into our March calendar, Sunday, March 3rd, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, a special edition presentation, Allergy of the Body, Obsession of the Mind. And to enlighten us will be a recovered compulsive overeater and big book teacher from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Mark your calendar. You won't want to miss one single moment because recovery rocks. Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Leah and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, February 11th, 2013. Today we're reading from the big book. You're going to find us in Chapter 9, The Family Afterward, on page 123, the last paragraph, beginning with, Now and then the family will be plagued. Today's readers are Penny E., Laura P., Katie, Judy B., the share code for yesterday's meeting, Sunday, February 10th, 3867. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Lois to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Lois, a grateful uh, compulsive overeater. Happy to be on board this morning. Um, The 12 steps. One. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these, this, these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you. I will now call on Rebecca to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, A Vision for You. It's Rebecca F., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Connecticut. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. That was number one. Two, 
For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, an anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Rebecca. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today, we resume our study of the big book. Look for us in Chapter 9, The Family Afterwards, on page 123 at the last paragraph, beginning with, Now and then the family will be plagued. And I will ask Penny E. to begin reading, please. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, everybody. Penny E., recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Now and then the family will be plagued by spectres from the past, for the drinking career of almost every alcoholic has been marked by escapades, funny, humiliating, shameful, or tragic. The first impulse, first impulse will be to bury these skeletons in a dark closet and padlock the door. The family may be possessed by the idea that future happiness can be based only upon forgetfulness of the past. We think that such a view is self-centered and in direct conflict with the new way of living. Henry Ford once made a wise remark to the effect that experience is the thing of supreme value in life. That is true only if one is willing to turn the past to good account. We grow by our willingness to face and rectify errors and convert them into assets. The alcoholic's past thus becomes the principal asset of the family, and frequently it is almost the only one. And I would like to share. Uh, this is, you know, if, if the family is thinking that they have to lock all these uh, specters, and, and that's like ghosts of the past for, for me, it's, uh, you know, calling out from work a million times, showing up to family Thanksgiving dinners, unbathed, greasy hair, you know, unkept clothes, depression, uh, just an embarrassment, I thought, to the family. 
uh, calling out sick from work, feigning sickness. Those are specters of my past, you know. So if we think that we have to lock these things up in the closet and pretend that they never happen, we're missing the whole point. We're missing the whole point because this whole 12-step program is based on one person who has lived it, who has been there, done that, been there, done that, uh, and expressing the hope of how they've gotten from here and the transformation to, to there, to where I am now. You know, so we have to keep the doors open, unlocked and grateful for it. Grateful, grateful, grateful. Um, The alcoholic's past thus becomes the principal asset of the family and frequently is almost the only one. So if somebody comes into a 12-step program and doesn't have any of this dark past, doesn't have to be way dark, you know, shades of gray, um, you know, then, then they can't work this program. You know, they can't work this program. They need to find something else to, to deal with the, the problem that they're dealing with. So I thank you, everybody. Have a God-filled day. Thank you, Penny. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? Star one to unmute. It's Monica. Monica. Good morning. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everybody. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And what jumped out at me here was experience. Henry Ford once made a wise remark to the effect that experience is the thing of supreme value in life. You know, what is experience? Experience is having gone through something from beginning to end, and you know the outcome. So he's saying here, you know, experience is a a thing of supreme value. And isn't this so true with us as compulsive overeaters? All of our experience, and especially um, once you have recovered, all of your experiences, all the bad experiences and all the good experiences of going through this process and what's continuing on, that you can share with another suffering compulsive overeating. So like they're saying, instead of hiding those spectres, those ghosts, those mental images that haunt our minds, we can use them to good purpose. Isn't that amazing? There might be somebody else out there suffering who thinks they're the only one that did that particular type of thing. And here you are sharing it. And they can identify and start their road to recovery. So experience is good. Good and um, in our sharing it with another person, that we have lived through this, that there is a way out, and we can give a lot of strength and a lot of hope. And that's the basis of our program. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Anyone else like to comment on these two paragraphs? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Leah. Hi, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Um, I love this. It says, every alcoholic has been marked by escapades, funny, humiliating, shameful, or tragic. The first impulse will be to bury these skeletons in a dark closet and padlock the door. The family may be possessed by the idea that the future happiness can be based only upon forgetfulness of the past. And I know that was my coping mechanism for many years. You know, I'm just going to ignore it and it'll go away. I'll ignore it and it'll go away. So I kept stuffing those secrets down. And then I'd have to eat over those secrets because I was so afraid that someone would find out. Someone would find that skeleton. And that's what this program is. These, These tragic and humiliating events in our lives can be what helps free someone else so they don't feel alone. But I want to go back. Why do we need, why is it so beneficial? that we, um, we, we bring these skeletons out. I'm just going to read back from Into Action when I talked about our fifth step. It says here, um, we will be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. The best reason, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome our drinking. Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbling experience they have turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. So 
not only for ourselves, because if we keep this stuff to ourselves, we're going to go have to go back to the drink to try to stuff it down. But they're saying, here's the other benefit. By letting other family members know, you know, other families that are suffering from the same disease that our family is suffering from, we are going to be able to help them get those skeletons out. We're going to be able to help them identify in. You know, I remember when in college, one of the very shameful things that I did is when I got upset, I would go to this fast food row, and I would go to one fast food drive-thru, and I would order two meals, and I would order for an imaginary boyfriend. I would kind of pretend I didn't remember what he wanted. I always ordered two sodas, and then I'd pour the sodas out in the parking lot, and I would binge, and then I would go to the next one, and I would go to the next one, and I would go to the next one. And the first time I was in a meeting, and I heard someone talk about doing the same exact thing, and in fact, ordering for a family, they got more food because they thought it was boring for a family, not just for an imaginary boyfriend. It was like suddenly I didn't feel alone. And that person told me that what I was doing was just, was just something that they did, and they're not there anymore. That's the important thing. They are not there anymore. By sharing that simple idea of what happened, where, where we were, what happened, what is like now, we can help other compulsive overeaters, other family members of compulsive overeaters, know there is a way out. So by doing that, what we thought was our greatest liabilities becomes our principal asset. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater. Katie, go ahead. Uh, Henry Ford once made a wise remark to the effect that experience is the thing of supreme value in life. If I forget the experiences I've had, then I'm doomed to repeat them. Um, and I will start to convince myself that, uh, that it's not so bad. Well, it's the same thing with the family. They need to remember what it was like, you know, this is to the family afterward. And they need to remember that, um, you know, this is a disease and that where it took the family member because we, we will forget. We have a great way of burying the hatchet and burying the past and wanting to just, um, you know, <laughs> look around and say, oh, well, everything's great now. You know, what was I making such a big deal about? Well, the reality is this is a progressive disease, and I have to remember how far it took me, or I will go, you know, 5, 10, 20 steps further down into the abyss. Um, And as Kim just said, you know, our experience benefits others because everything that we've done um, and share with others, benefit them to know that they can get out of it, that it doesn't have to to stay that way. But when I start that, that remembrance of where I was gets dim, then I'm in a slippery place. So that'll pass. Thank you very much. My name is Leah. I, too, would like to comment on some of these statements here. The first impulse will be to bury these skeletons in a dark closet and padlock the door. so important to remember the promises of this program of recovery that we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. I mean, uh, certainly I'm not uh, proud of some of those moments, but I understand today that this transformation that has occurred in my life due to the obedience and cooperation with God's grace, um, I can now utilize those experiences in order to allow another suffering compulsive overeater to identify in. And it keeps reminding me, you know, what the grace of God can do when I cooperate with his grace. Um, It also goes on to say here, 
you know, we grow by our willingness to face and rectify errors and convert them into assets. You know, the program of recovery, the implementation of the steps gives me an opportunity to transform my mind and transform my actions and transform my relationships that I get to remedy to correct those errors that I made uh, and convert them, change them into assets, you know, get to take those experiences of the past that I've had and utilize them uh, for better, you know, to make, to allow me to be a better person, to allow me to grow from this experience, to give me an opportunity to perhaps one day at a time live up to the potential that God sees in me. Uh, there can be beauty from the ashes. And recovered compulsive overeaters, just like these recovered alcoholics who pen these pages, are living proof of what the program of recovery can do when we cooperate with these principles, when we cooperate and implement these steps, when we cooperate with our higher power's grace. It says the alcoholic's past thus becomes the principle, and principle, of course, means the most important asset of the family, and frequently it is the only one. The alcoholic's past, my past, why is that? Well, pain is the greatest motivator to effectuate change, and I constantly remember who and what I am and where I came from. So utilizing that energy, utilizing that, uh, that pain of my past, uh, catapults me to to be obedient and submit myself and surrender myself one day at a time to this program of recovery. And because my vision is is limited, I don't know what is possible ahead of me. But God's vision is unlimited. God's God's power in my life, this higher power in my life is indestructible and immeasurable and his script I cannot even fathom. All I know is that because I remember who and what I am, it keeps me motivated to keep moving forward, to keep improving myself as a mother, to keep improving my uh, interpersonal relationship in my marriage. How can I know where I'm going if I don't know where I'm coming from? And how can I know why I'm living today and how I'm living today if I don't know what I was dying from? But I remember those things. I keep that memory green. We keep that memory green by passing it on and utilizing that dark past to help perhaps allow another to identify in and recover as well. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on these two paragraphs that were read? This is Paula Mashia. Of course. Thank you. Good morning, all my fellow travelers. This would be Paula Recovered. I'm going to scoot on to this line. We grow by our willingness. And there it is. And that's where it always is. If we don't grow, we die. So we must continue to grow here. We grow by our willingness. And we all remember that word. And it always begins with willingness. We must bring willingness here. And it says, again, to face and rectify errors. Yeah, errors and mistakes. And many have been made. But how this happens and convert them into assets can only happen with God. See, I stayed in my mistakes. There was no conversion. I stayed day after day. But here it says, the alcoholic's past thus becomes. Now, that's got to be God. That's got to be God, because my past is what kept me where I was until God intervened. Thus becomes the principal asset. Now, how does that happen? Well, I already said how it happened of the family, and frequently it, it is almost always almost the only one. You know, I'm just going to scoot back here, and I'm going to look at page, and it says how it works. And, you know, that's it. How it works. It works real well. It works real good. We are not saints. The point is, and I'm just going to say something that sounds familiar, we are willing to grow 
along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down, and those are the 12 steps, are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Anyway, with that, I do pass. Thank you very much, Paula. Let's move on to the next paragraph, please, with Laura P. Laura, press star one to unmute. This is Laura, compulsive overeater from Michigan. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. All right. This painful past may be of infinite value to other families still struggling with their problem. We think each family which has been relieved owes something to those who have not. And when the occasion requires, each member of it should be only too willing to bring former mistakes, no matter how grievous, out of their hiding places. Showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possible, the greatest possession you have, the key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. Um, All right, Um, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone here reading today, and I'm doing that because I'm just in this writing. It's saying, showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. And this is my baby step. Um, I'm I'm very nervous about talking, and, but I feel this is something that I need to do. And I can start just by doing a reading to help me to talk to other people and about, you know, what I've gone through and how I've come out of it. And um, before, I was always in isolation, and I was the observer, the wallflower at events, and I would not participate. And I know... That is part of my illness. And in order for me to recover, I need to be part of a group. I, I, I need to be um, with the whole. And I can't do that if I'm just sitting back and watching and not participating, not helping. And so this is the opportunity that I get today, and I get to do it right here, right now, which is uh, very small, but it's a beginning for me. And I'm doing it in a very safe group. I'm doing this with all of you. And I know that uh, we have something in common and that I know that we live by the traditions as well as the steps, so I feel safe. And so here's my baby step. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Laura. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Christy. This is Regina. I'd like to share. Hi, Leah. It's Linda from Connecticut. Christy, please first. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Good morning. A vision for you. This is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, there are a couple of sentences here that jump out at me. The first one is showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. And then the very last sentence, a very powerful sentence, with it you can avert death and misery for them. Death and misery for them. And, you know, I... You know, I'm not being asked to stop at a traffic accident and pull people from a burning car. You know, I'm not being asked to do that. Um, although, you know, when you see people who have done that on the news say, you know, I, anybody would have done that. You know, anybody would have done that if they if they stopped, you know, if they saw that happening, anyone would have done that. You know, it would be really easy for me you know, to sit back and think about, um, you know, what my fashion style is now that I've been maintaining my weight, um, you know, for almost 10 years, um, and, uh, and, and that would be the end of it. But I have two things. First of all, I have a disease that's doing push-ups in the back room, as we like to say, and, uh, 
you know, I can't forget who and what I am, as it's been mentioned before on this meeting. Um, I cannot forget who I am and what I'm up against. And uh, that's the thing that propels me, that drives me uh, to, to help other people. You know, that's not in my nature. I'm not hardwired to be helpful. I'm, I'm hardwired to be selfish and self-centered to the extreme, as it says in the big book. And, you know, I, I mean, how can I, after having my life saved by recovery, my life was saved by recovery. How can I not try to help somebody else who might have their life saved, who might have their life saved? And, it, you know, my story just happens to be one of weighing 340 pounds, and now I don't. But that's, you know, that's only part of my story. That's only part of my story. That might be what brings the newcomer into the room, but that's, that's only part of my story. Because if it were just about losing the weight, the very first diet I went on at the age of 12 would have worked. What, it, what this program is about is becoming a completely different person, becoming a completely different person, which is described in step 12 of the 12 and 12, a spiritual awakening, becoming a complete, being, being able to do things and say things and believe things and act in certain ways that were completely impossible by my own will, completely impossible by that person who was hardwired to be selfish and self-centered to the extreme. That has completely changed in me, has completely changed in me. And to describe that transformation and to live that transformation every single day is, is what, you know, it's the most important job I do every single day. Every single day, it is the most important job I do today. Whether it's, um, you know, acting a you know, completely different way at work than I did before. You know, I'm not eating candy in the bathroom style at work today. Then <laughs> that's the way I lived my life before. Um, I don't do that today. I don't do that today. And I am, you know, I'm so grateful to see other people transform, completely transformed and have their lives, you know, averted from that death and misery, which is, I would be dead by now. I am so clear about that. I would have, I would be dead by now. I, I can't imagine, well, I can imagine, you know, which is what keeps me green, keeping me green, um, imagining what my life would be like had I not put down the food and stuck my head in the big book instead of the cellophane bags and bakery boxes. Um, can't, you know, I mean, I just am so grateful that I have a life today. I have a life today that's worth living, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph? It's Linda. This is Regina. Oh, I hear Regina and Linda. Go ahead. Hi, I just, what I'm getting, oh, this is Regina Compulsive Overeater. I, I am not recovered yet. But what I'm getting from these uh, pages that we've been reading today is that uh, if you can do it, then I can do it too, with the help of God. I, uh, and that's what is our example. It shows that through our sufferings and what we went through and overcoming those things, with the help of God, that I as an individual can overcome those things also. And if I can do it, then the person I would be helping in the future can do it also. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Regina. And Linda. Hi, Leah. It's Linda from Connecticut, a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, The things that come to mind are uh, what it feels like inside to be recovering, um, to be be transformed and transforming because it's ongoing. It feels safe at the core. And the thing, that's one of the things I craved the most. The other thing that I craved, underneath the food, I mean, was love. And what better way to experience love than to go through these steps, connect with the grace of God, and have a way inside oneself um, and, you know, also, of course, it's helped by being with uh, others in a fellowship. It's helped enormously. But to to stay with that love and to to kind of ladle it out to other people and to receive it. I think when I help other people, it feels so good to love them with kindness and compassion. And it feels so wonderful 
to be lifted slowly out of shame. Um, that feeling that at the core, I'm just this rotten person. Um, I was a very self-destructive person. And I couldn't stop. And that's really what was going on. And um, I was also an atheist, didn't want to be, but I was, and then went through these steps. I mean, I was carried from the inside through these steps. I know it now. Um, to a, a wonderful relationship with God. And I am able to do things, think things, feel things that I was never able to before. So it, it's it's miraculous. It's a miraculous, miraculous program. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. This is Lois. Lois, go ahead. Hi, good morning, everyone. Uh, wait a minute, I, only, I just lost my place again. <laughs> each member, I, I wanted to say each member should be only to, and the occasion requires, be only too happy and willing to uh, bring former mistakes, no matter how egregious, you know, out of their hiding places. And, and what, 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 what that means to me is it's, it's actually the, the, um, a, an overview of what we do in the 12 steps. And, and on this line as well, you know, if we're willing, first of all, people had to be willing to share, you know, what, what was going on inside of them, uh, bringing to light their shame, their guilt, their, their feelings about their, their, uh, their actions while, while uh, eating. And then when they share that, and I can relate to that, then I lose some of my shame and I, my guilt, and I feel connected to another human being, which is, you know, God's. God's grace for us, God's grace on the whole program. And as mine reduce and mine, my, my, and my guilt and my fears, you know, reduce by listening and other people sharing, then I become, you know, more, more well and, and recovering. And then I too can um, bring this to light. And it's, so it's about honesty and it's about fear being reduced. And it's only being reduced by listening to others becoming uh, relieved of the past and being willing to share. And, and usually, I know for me, it's, it's, my, it's my joy and my pleasure, you know, to, to do that because I have learned, you know, that, that the grace of God coming into my life has relieved me of, of my shame and guilt regarding my disease. And, and I know that as I recover, you know, that happens to me, I get my recovery gets deeper and deeper. And as I begin to share everything that happens to me online, then our family, this family of a vision for you is a family. And, and we, we help one another. We bring each other up to the highest good. And I know that that's God's plan for all of us. And I am very grateful. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lois. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? It's Esther. Hi, it's just- Esther, and then Rick, please. Good morning. My name is Esther, compulsive reader in Canada. I just wanted to share that, you know, in the process of recovery, of course, I had to, um, in the fourth and fifth step, examine every, you know, dark spot of my life, and I was, you know, did so in order to recover. But then when it came time to carrying the message to others, there was, there was that part of me that felt that, I, do I need to tell everybody all about that dark past, those bitter experiences, but what this paragraph is teaching me is that everything that, that I had gone through and everything that I experienced, and, of course, the transformation that resulted from doing the 12 steps, that makes me uniquely suited to, to pass along to others. Not only is, you know, those decades of misery um, not useless, rather this paragraph is teaching me that that is going to be my greatest asset. The the most important thing that I have to pass along to someone else today is to be able to say, I did that, I was there, this is the family afterwards, I'm able to tell them, you have kids that are out of control, I had kids that were out of control, you were watching all your dreams go up in smoke, I was watching my dreams go go up in smoke, let me tell you about it. And then I could tell them, that's what it used to be like, and now it's different, let me tell you what it's like today, and let me tell you what I did. And that'll speak to them in a way... Um, that'll be very um, deep and, and in a way that many many others may not be able to speak to them. Um, this experience that I have, it doesn't 
seem to me like garbage anymore. It's become like the 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 mulch, the fertilizer that allows me to um, you know help others. And this paragraph is saying that I could save their life. I could save a family by sharing my experience and of course sharing the transformation and how things could be different. And this is a new way of looking at it because really my nature would would be to keep these things to myself, to feel like why does everybody have to know about what went on here? But now I I, I see how you know, on a one-to-one basis, being able to share some of those things is um, it's really a way of transforming, you know, the dark past into the bright light of the future. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. And Rick, please. Good morning, Rick, compulsive overeater. It says, this painful past may be of infinite value to other families still struggling with their problem. So the book is is writing to the families and encouraging the families to come out of the woodwork and admit some of their transgressions, uh, not only the things that the alcoholic did, but some of the things that the families did. And um, they should be uh, all too willing to bring former mistakes, no matter how grievous, out of their hiding places. You know, the families also have... have, uh, had misdeeds. It's not just the alcoholic. And I think even possibly more so with the compulsive overeater because many of us were thrown into this disease at such a young age that our families were were really closely involved in what was going on. And many of the stories we hear involve um, tragic situations at a very young age. And for families to realize that they they had a part in our unfortunate uh, situation, not a cause, but a part in it, it's very important. And I can remember uh, my sponsor saying to me, after I was remarking to him about uh, something uh, phenomenal that happened with my mother when I was making amends, and I was I was amazed, and he said. Uh, do you see how when we change, the people around us change? And it was a very profound statement because I never thought of it that way. So I think, um, you know, we have to look at this in the light of the way the chapter is being written. And uh, it's encouraging the families to admit their faults and for the families to come along with us and live by these principles. And I'll pass with that. Thank you, Rick. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula, may I share? Yes, Paula. Thank you. This is Paula, Recovered Compulsive Oveda. You know, we're reading the family afterward here. And it says here, showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. Cling to the thought. Now, you hold on to this thought because you know it starts in the mind. Look what transpires next. That in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have. Now, I know I'm repeating the words that were said, but aren't they so worth repeating? The key to life. What does the key do? What does the key do? It unlocks. It unlocks the door. And here it unlocks the door to the future for these people and the families and happiness for others. With it, you can avert debt and misery for them. You know, we see in the working with others, what does it say clearly? If you have been successful in solving your own domestic problems, there it is, all mistakes, you may say, tell the newcomer's family how that was accomplished. In this way, you can set them on the right track without, be clear here, becoming critical of them. There it is. There it is. You know, we don't come and meet people and say, hey, let me tell you about my mistakes. But see, that's where you can join with them. The mistakes were made. But what God can do, what God can do with even mistakes. Thank you very much for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you so much. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, would like to comment on this. It says this painful past may be of infinite value to other families still struggling with their problem. We think each family who has been relieved 
owes something to those who have not. And when the occasion requires, each member of it should be only too willing to bring former mistakes, no matter how grievous, out of their hiding places. Again, we're in the chapter to the family afterwards, and it's going to speak about some of the many, many challenges and readjustments that face a family and face its members um, of the recovering alcoholic. And essentially, it's teaching everyone involved the importance of living by spiritual principles. So it's saying here, this painful past that you have, don't hide it away, don't lock it in a closet, um, even though that may be your first impulse to bury those skeletons in a closet and lock it up for good. Let's take that and let's utilize that by paying it forward, by 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 performing service, by helping another person. You know, uh, it's going on to say here, showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have, the key to life and happiness for others. Very, very powerful words because all the very negative parts of us whether we are the uh, alcoholic, the compulsive overeater, or the ones who love us, all the negative parts of us, the part we couldn't stand, turns out to be our special gift to save the next person in that situation because that's what they connect with. They identify with those behaviors, with that quote-unquote uh, awful past, that painful past, and the recovery, the relief that we now have, that's why we can talk to them, you know, because it turns out that we, that dark, ugly past that we have is now the spiritual gift that we pass on to the next person because we no longer live that way. And this is not about personal success or personal recognition or wanting strokes on one's back. This is about what can happen when we surrender, when we uh, fire the ego and the intellect as one's guide, and it's replaced by a different guide, submission to these spiritual principles, which are universal and work for everyone, alcoholic, compulsive overeater, or the loved ones of an alcoholic, compulsive overeater. So when the ego and the intellect is dethroned, God or a higher power, these spiritual principles can direct and rule our lives. You know, so we have this obligation, this responsibility, because it says with it you can avert death and misery for him. That's, that's our power. We have recovered, and we have been given the power to help others. That's what our text teaches us. And if I have not touched your lives in any way, I feel I, feel I have failed. I don't have any interest in power or personal recognition, but I have enormous interest in having influence. Because God has removed my obsession to compulsively overeat, so the question is, what am I going to do with it? The question is for these family members, what can they do now that they are relieved? So we are the agents. God uses recovered people. We are not necessary. We're not sufficient, but we, 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 we uh, can be a catalyst. We can be a catalyst that makes a person perhaps want to change. God has a job for us to do. We don't have to struggle. Those of us that are recovered or uh, in a family unit of those who have recovered, we don't have to struggle what God's will is for people like us. We know what it is, and that is to give give back what was so freely given to us. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning again, Lana. Good morning again, everyone. This is Kim G. from New Jersey. Um, showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing that makes life seem so worthwhile for us now. And what I'm hearing, which is so beautiful, is this is what the recovered people are doing. You know, we are no longer suffering. We have had that spiritual awakening. You know, step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. You know, this is the family afterward. This is not the family during or the family before. This is the family afterwards. And I go back to page 98 where it says, it is not the matter of giving that is in question, but when 
and how to give. So when can we give? We cannot give, you know, give something we do not have. You know, and I love the saying, save the mess for your sponsor and the message for the meeting. So when we are carrying this message, we're not carrying the message that we are in the food and it sucks and I'm, I can't get out. And, you know, it, it's not that we're in the problem. What we are sharing is that we are in the solution. We have walked through these steps. We have had that spiritual awakening. Yes, we know where you, where you are right now, but that is not where we are right now. And so often, unfortunately, I think our meetings are about sharing the problem, sharing about how miserable the food is, sharing about how we can identify because we are there right now. And what this is saying is that the family afterwards, you know, are our meetings about the solution or are our meetings about the problem? Because I, there's a lot of people I can identify with the problem, and if I can't get past that, I'm screwed. I'm screwed. You know, there's a difference between giving a fifth step in a meeting and sharing. You know, sharing should be about this part. Cling to the thought that in God's hand, the dark past is the greatest possession that you have. It's my past. It's not my present. It is my past. So what is the sharing experience, strength, and hope? Sharing experience, strength, and hope is, is the fact that I was there. I am no longer there. Take my hand and I will lead you through this. Experience isn't, yep, I'm in the midst of the crap and let me tell you what it's like and we can bond over it. That's awesome. You know, unfortunately, I think sometimes we treat the meetings like group therapy. And this is a reminder, once again, that we are, we are sharing that we are recovered. We are in that 12th step. We have had that spiritual experience as a result of these steps. When it says on page 98, it's not the matter of giving that in question, but when and how to give, how to give. I give exactly the way this first 164 pages tells me to give because that is my experience. That is how I became recovered. And when did I give this? When I had that spiritual awakening. And why did I do it at that point? Because at that point I was so filled with the, with the gratitude of God's love that I couldn't help but share it. I couldn't help but, say, help but share this incredible message that we were given that in 1939 was printed and in 2013 is just as relevant, if not more. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Let's move on to the next paragraph, please, with Katie. Katie, press star one to unmute. Sorry. Okay, I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater in Virginia. It is possible to dig up past misdeeds so they become a blight, a veritable plague. For example, we, have, we know of situations in which the alcoholic or his wife have had love affairs. In the first flush of spiritual experience, they forgave each other and drew close together. The miracle of reconciliation was at hand. Then, under one provocation or another, they agreed, the aggrieved one would unearth the old affair and anger angrily cast its ashes about. A few of us have had these growing pains, and they hurt a great deal. Husbands and wives have sometimes been obliged to separate for a time until new perspective, new victory over hurt pride could be re-won. In most cases, the alcoholic survived this ordeal without relapse, but not always. So we think that unless some good and useful purpose is to be served, past occurrences should not be discussed. Um, and this last sentence is, you know, it, it seems like it's a contradiction to everything we just have read this morning. Um, you know, go ahead, bury the past. But it, that is not um, what it's saying. It's it, unless some good and useful purpose is to be served, um, past occurrences should not be discussed. You know, when I'm talking one-on-one with someone, yes, I can, I can identify with them but I don't have to bring up my, you know, as Kim was saying, we don't do our fifth step in the middle of a meeting. Um, you know, my anonymity was, was um, hurt the most by my sharing too much um, and then having it repeated because it was a newcomer who didn't understand uh, anonymity. And, um, you know, we can practice our own anonymity and use our past just 
act in the way to um, to help another person and to remind ourselves how far we've come. But it's not meant to be, you know, a, a noose around our neck just making us feel, you know, so this shame and, and awful uh, morbid reflection. We don't have to live that way. God will show us when it's appropriate and when it's not to share um, our past with others. And, but the promises assure us that we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. And that's back on page 84 and 85 or something like that. Um, so this is to the family afterward. Um, it's showing them that, you know, yes, we know that this bad, awful stuff happens, but you can move past it. You can move past it, but you don't need to forget about it entirely because it can be used of good purpose to help another person who's still suffering and to give them the assurance that there is no uh, end to how awful life can be and how awful your experience was, that there's no saying I'm too far gone or my husband's too far gone or my family member, whoever they are, are too far gone. Because we've all, if you stick around these rooms long enough, you're going to hear your own story in different people and you're going to hear that they recovered, that there is recovery. For no matter where, how far down the scale you've gone, you can recover. And that is the purpose of sharing our recovery and sharing our past is to show people not how great we are now, but that God brought us from this seemingly, seemingly hopeless state into a life that we never imagined. But we don't have to use our past to con- con- constantly make us feel like we're less than and unworthy of this recovery. That'll pass. Thank you. Let's take one more share before the end of the meeting. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Well, here we're going to be shown how to be of value and the things that might happen when we first attempt that. You know, what might happen when we first attempt that? You know, first we needed a design for living. We needed a design for living. And then we needed the result of a higher power at work in our lives. And it's not going to be beautiful and perfect and everything turns out just wonderfully the minute, the minute, we begin that progress. You know, sometimes things that have been buried deep will come to the surface. And how will we handle them? You know, things that we thought we could overcome in the first blush of spiritual experience end up being things that make us oh so human and take some time. So what we've been seeing here is what can happen, what can happen is always a miracle. What's possible is always a miracle. It says the miracle of reconciliation was at hand. And sometimes that takes time and sometimes there's some ups and downs, but we always make progress when we keep following this design for living. And we are examples of that. In our families, in our relationships, we are being taught how to be generous, how to be generous with our own experience. Where we can see someone else might benefit, things we had buried, very deep, are going, to be, are going to be revealed now in a way that we can use them for spiritual progress. And it says, yes, there might be one provocation or another, and the aggrieved one would unearth the old affair and angrily cast its ashes about, you know, because there is a, there is a path of progress here. But the miracle of reconciliation is always at hand, just like the miracle of recovery is always at hand. So we think that sometimes unless a good purpose, a useful purpose can be served, there might be things that it's not good to try to unearth too quickly, use too quickly. You know, with, with time comes experience and with experience, knowledge. And with knowledge, we see 
where we can hurt others, where we can help others, and that's when we're always guided by our higher power. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Janice. And thank you to everyone who participated in the meeting this morning, attended the meeting. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Judy B., would you please read a vision for you? Certainly. This is Judy B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask 